Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Beyond the Row, where we take a deeper look into Sunday morning sermons to spark what life beyond the row looks like for followers of Jesus. Well, good morning, evening, and afternoon to all of our listeners. We want to take a second to thank you guys again for joining us on today's episode. No matter how you're listening, we are grateful that you're here. We want you guys to know that our podcast is on multiple platforms, and if you can give us a like, a follow, or even subscribe to this content, all of those help this podcast get out to more and more folks. And if you do like this content, then please consider giving us some stars, write us a review, let us know how we're doing, or some other things that you want us to talk about, maybe. And we're also open to, if you guys have questions of previous podcasts, or maybe something we said on last week's episode, just write to us, let us know, and we'll go from there. So, all right, guys, Abe, Nathan, how are we today? Very well. Doing solid. Good, good. Today was chilly. The weather, the weather's changing. Um, it's, it's now that time of year where you got your heat on in the car in the morning, and then you turn on the AC when you leave for lunch. The know. classic. That's pretty true. Yeah. Um, September, I love the next three months. Uh, we got a few announcements coming up, so I'm going to pass it over to Nate before we get started. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, what it will do is... Um, really, the first announcement is about the student fall kickoff. So, Abe, tell us about that. Oh, man. I'm excited. Uh, let's just say I've spent a good amount of coins so far on this fall kickoff. So, we're excited. I might have gone a little crazy on Amazon. Uh, had a lot of fun with that. So, we got some sick prizes coming uh, on the way, which will be exciting. And uh, we also got – I mean, we got a t- we got a fun night planned. We're going to have – it's going to be glow neon themed just all over the place. Like we're going to, it's going to be awesome. We got black lights rented. Um, so that's going to be sick. Our worship center is going to have um, some games. We're going to be playing games in there. And then we're going to be eating and we're going to be playing a uh, whole building game, uh, which is going to be crazy and wild. I bought, I bought tons of like, you know, those, uh, those finger darts mm-hmm. where you, where they like fly. Like yeah. Well, yeah, but like, yeah, the, I know like you know, and so I bought like, I don't know, like 60, 70 of those. Shoot them. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be, we're going to be crazy. They're like LED, so. Are you uh, going to have any medical professionals on site? Any medical case? professionals. <laughs> uh, if by medical professional, you mean people who can heal people in the name of Jesus, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, other than that, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually really excited. I wish I could be here for that. What um, are the times? Yeah, what five is Five to eight p.m. Sunday five night. Five to eight. Five to eight. Doors Man, open at five. Every teenager. Dude. You should be here. Yeah, every like, teenager should be here. Like, if you're not here, uh, we're, there's not going to be an event cooler for a while. <laughs> Is that okay? sixth grade and up? Seventh. Seventh grade Seventh, and up. Seventh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Sorry. If you're well, sixth you grader, have. you can't come. I know. <laughs> and then, um, then the Unspoken concert. Nick, you know more about that than I do for sure. Yeah, sure. So um, Unspoken is a is a Christian rock band. They're on um, K-Love as, as far as other radio stations go. Um, you can listen to their content on Spotify and everything like that. This is actually the first concert-style event that this church has, has really ever had. There's been some like local artists come in about 10 or 12 years ago, and like the actually longer than that, 2008. Um, so it's been that long. That, that, that was the year I graduated high school, actually. Uh, that's weird to think about. But so this Unspoken concert is going to be September 24th. Um, the show times for Unspoken, that band is seven, but they do have two openers. So really the concert's from 6.30 to about 9 or 9.30 or so. And it's going to be awesome. They're using our worship center. So we get to gut the stage and they get to be there. Um, you can buy tickets online. You can actually do it through our app. And just to clear up like any confusion, um, there is a special avenue code for the first 100 uh, people to buy general admission tickets. They do not work for the VIP tickets, and um, I know that code is going fast, so you definitely want to take advantage of that. Um, just type in Avenue. It doesn't matter if it's case-sensitive or not, and um, get your tickets ahead of time. You will be able to buy tickets at the door, but for something like this, it's a small venue, and so we're probably going to cap out at the 450-500 mark, mm-hmm. and so uh, you definitely want to buy ahead for sure. But it's yeah. going to be an awesome night. It's going to be tons of fun. It's a Sunday night, too. And so, like, all day long, we're going to be, like, gutting things, and we get to meet the stage people and, like, all kinds of stuff, and we get to put together roadies. If you're interested in being a roadie, then let me know. Uh, You just got to be able to lift, like, up to 30 pounds and wear closed-toed shoes or something like that. But I would be the contact reference for that. So don't have Crocs. I still need seven. I still need, no, no, no. I need nine more people to sign up for that. And you'll be signing up to work from 1 p.m. till about 5, and then you get a break. You get the free concert, 
and then you help them pack up and leave that night. So it's going to be a long day, but you get a free show. So it's going to yeah. be awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be cool. great. I'm excited for it. Yeah. I'm really excited. This is something that yeah. like I wish was going on when I was in youth. Yeah, right. Because other churches in the area, um, they would have shows. They'd have like Big Daddy Weave come in or they'd have... Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if Jeremy Riddle ev- ever did, but 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 people of that caliber, sort of a thing. Yeah. And now we get to do our first one. Yeah. I'm like, it's super fun. I'm super excited to yeah. see what this church is. You know, being raised in this church, it's like, I don't know. It's like a step in a a bigger direction. Yeah, for sure. I want to say, you know, yeah. Not that we're trying to be super church or anything, because we obviously yeah. are not. But, but we want to be a church that's making a difference in our community. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think I think I think this is a great way to start sort of like the worship side of that, you know? Yeah. I'm excited, but I'm partial to stuff like that too, because it's my world. Yeah, of course. Which, uh, then we can, uh, which translates into the series we just finished. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. It was really cool um, to end the series, uh, which is I Love My Church um, at the park. Mm -hmm. And the, the, um, from last year to this year was really kind of neat too. It was like it al- it almost felt like it was double um, because if you remember last year, if those were those who were with us last year, it was um, it had just finished raining at like eight a.m. Yeah. Um, so so we were still able to have it, but then it was kind of like muggy and mm-hmm. warm. Yeah. And it was our first time outdoors. Today, it was so people weren't exactly sure what it was going to be like. Yeah. Yeah, it was we different. It. Yeah. But this year, it was just like so many. I mean, we used up so much parking, which was uh-huh. awesome. And food trucks, too. Oh, yeah. We had food trucks. And, of course, ultimately, the um, testimonies and the baptisms, that was awesome. That was the best part. So, by far. Um, which kind of gets me to what I want to talk about today because you're like, we usually like we hash out the message from Sunday. Right. Um, but what I want to do is I kind of want to hash out the whole point of the series. Um, and what's going to lead us into the next part of Avenue Church moving forward. And, you know, what's, what, I, I didn't put this on our notes, but I thought this, this just came to me. So we're starting year six. And, and, I, and I'm sharing this for everybody out there who, who has no clue because they're not in this world. And I don't expect them to know this stuff. Um, so if you're listening, this is going to be good for you because you can have learned some things about details of churches and stuff like that. One <coughs> of the fastest... Yeah, one of the fascinating things is that um, when you're church planning and doing church revi- revitalizations, and we're technically a church revitalization, right? We 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 t- we came into a church that was almost dead, um, you know, and those are always hit or miss. You don't know if it's going to flourish or not. You know, you're trusting on the spirit, and like every church plant, you go into a community, you're hoping you're trying to start a church, yep. and eight or no, it's six. It's six out of ten churches fail. Um, when you're starting a church, uh, uh, it fails to get going within five years. That's a big, big percentage. That's a big percentage because <clears throat> it is work, man. And you're trusting the spirit and you're trusting people and it's, it's, it's really hard. Um, <clears throat> so church revitalizations, it's got its own issues and own difficulties and in itself. It's like a church plant that's already been started. <laughs> um, and so that's who, that's who we are. It's a scrape and rebuild from my world. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. And so... When you start, or when you do these things, the people that were with you in the first year um, to two years are typically those who walk away by year four and five to somewhere else Hmm. because the newness wears off. Mm -hmm. And usually by the time year four and five get here, you're having to re-examine what got you there in the, in the beginning, which is what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and here's the hard part is that, and it's really sad too, it kind of breaks the hearts of leaders, and which is why church, li- like, uh, why church planners often move on and church revitalizations pastors often move on. And then typically after they move on, the churches fall again. Um, but be- the reason that's so important is because... Um, what what was so exciting in the beginning is typically not as exciting um, four or five years into it. And sometimes the closest people to you and the leaders that were with you for the last three years move on because um, they aren't willing to do the long haul stuff. They like the freshness and newness of things. Mm-hmm. 
And, and that's the hard part because discipleship is learning how to endure um, mm-hmm. through the good and the bad. Right. And, um, and that's why it's really difficult for churches in our culture to really run into this. So the question is, is why do we need to know those? Why, 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 why would I share that with you? Because I want, no matter where you're at, even if you're part of another church, I want you to fight to stay for the long haul. Because the whole point of church is community. And, and any, you think about every family, <laughs> you know, I hear parents or I've heard kids say, well, I only have to do this because, you know, I was born into this family. I only have to stay in this family because I was born into this family, blah, 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 blah. Well, in the church world, you're not, you know, that's not true. You can just move on. But the reality is, is you should work hard to reestablish the relationships that at times are hurt and difficult and at times don't make sense. And at times you have to redo um, and, and start forming other relationships as well, because that's the point of the church. See, the reality is, is that the church is eternal. So you're with that same those same people for all eternity. So you might as well start figuring out now. Might as well get over it. And yeah, and, and fight through it so that the long-term effect is that more people will come to know Christ. But it's always easier to start new churches because new churches always do a really good job of reaching new people for Jesus. Mm-hmm. So churches like ours have to be really good and really um, intentional with always looking at everything we're doing and examining everything we're doing so that if we notice that we're starting to decline on reaching people uh, with the gospel, then we're, we're missing something again. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I'm not saying that that was us. Uh, we definitely have seen that over the last few years, but it's one of those where I'm like, but if we always keep that in, in, our, in our view, then we can always make the necessary course adjustments so that we can keep doing the same thing. Yeah. But even the course adjustments, even though it may be little or somewhat minor, it's still difficult for some. And so so the reason that this series is so important, I love my church, is because it's built on two of the, the two great commandments, um, which I thought I would share. So the first one is Matthew. It's found in Matthew 22. It's found in Mark. It's, you know, we even, it's even in the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, so somebody comes to Jesus and he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And they think they're going to trap him, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbors, yourself. And, and uh, actually the translation is really in the same as equal, but um, it, makes, it, still, it still says the same thing in a sense. Love your neighbors, yourself. All the law and the prophets hang um, or um, are dependent on these two commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I wanted to do today is, especially for all of our listeners, uh, is to dissect that and kind of talk about the importance of why we harp on our relationship with God and why we harp on community. Because I think that's the thing that people realize here <laughs> a lot, is I harp hard on community. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are like, well, why do you push that so much? Well, I want to talk about that today mm-hmm. because that's what this whole series is about. Yeah. I love my church. I think that's useful because it's a it's great timing. You know, we're kicking off our A groups. You know, those have been kind of remolded and things like that. And, and we have folks that are joining in A groups for the first time, and those all kick off like this upcoming week. And people do ask why is Avenue so small group centered? You know, like, yeah. like what is the purpose of all this? Because so many, including myself, because I was raised in this church, yeah. you know, uh, small groups wasn't something that you even, it wasn't even on our radar. It's like Sunday school was like the closest thing to it. Mm-hmm. But then that was on a Sunday morning and there was nothing else the rest of the week, apart from maybe like a Wednesday night service. But mm-hmm. even then, that was that was just like church morning, but in an evening, yeah, you know, groups were never like the focus for whatever reason. And it was almost like church was a personal thing and that's yeah. where it stopped. Yeah. Was that, is that kind of your same experience or did you have a different experience? Um, yeah, similar. It's kind of funny to, uh, to hear, um, some of these, well, I don't, I want to say perspectives, but like my, um, my mom and dad, um, our church growing up was, um, yeah, your typical Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. 
I will say this, which was really interesting. I always hear my dad um, talk about this. But on Wednesday night, we, it was prayer. Mm-hmm. So that was like your, your prayer night, um, which honestly is a really cool idea. Um, and the way they did it, I think, at our church was really cool. It was, um, it was small group centered. Which was interesting. So you break into your you break into your groups. You kind of talk about hey, what's going on like um, in your life? What needs prayer? Who do you know that needs prayer? Like things like that. Um, and they would break into that. I'm pretty sure they were they were men with men and, and women with women. Um, so they didn't really know they were doing it, but it was kind of like it was kind of like a small group, except obviously the food and, and probably the home element and stuff like that wasn't there. I think we were doing it without really knowing. Um, I don't know, but. That is what I, I remember um, growing up, and it's kind of interesting. And I actually remember, um, I think, like the last two years before that church, um, all that stuff happened with, with, our, with our church growing up. Uh, I remember some of our leadership trying to make a push for small groups and uh, some of that, and I actually remember my dad being super against it. Oh, wow. Yeah, like super against it. Um, because kind of remember that that uh, that the old church mindset. Yeah, the identity is wrapped around the building in yeah. place. Yeah, and and so it's kind of interesting to see and hear and listen to us talk about it because it's like, man, I remember living that. Now I think my dad, I think my dad's better now. Like I think uh, I just think in in a moment it's like kind of the idea of change. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the calibration, right? And it's like super frustrating and and hurtful there were some other plays there i think as to why he was against it was because there was other things going on and so he felt like that was the reason the other things were happening um so i think he had a little bit of a negative perspective on that but you know folks that have been in the same mindset for many many years jumping from the the small group mentality going from like the old church sort of a mentality it's almost like learning a new religion. I mean, like that's like the inner tor- turmoil that people feel is like you're you're telling me I've been doing faith wrong this yeah. whole time. Mm. They're not I used have to, to it. relearn something. That's very yeah. very conflicting. Yeah, and, and I, that makes sense. And that's where we have to be careful. But it's also not a place where we can say, oh, you know what? We'll just keep doing that then because that's what you're familiar with. Um, and so again, the whole idea is, is that faith pushes us. Well, let, let's let's get into this. So. Um, it's built around the idea of biblical love. So I want, let's nerd out for a second. All right. So the commandments are to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor. So everybody should ask the question, what does love mean? Mm, I love asking that question. Yeah. Because if you, don't a- if you don't ask the question, what does it mean to love the Lord and to love your neighbor, then, then ultimately you're going to come up with the definition that you already understand love from your own perspective and worldview. Yeah. Right? All right. So let's do this. Um, here's the nerdy part. Um, there's two words that we know a lot of times in Greek, especially if you've been in church, but um, there's it really is birthed out of the Hebrew word. So the Hebrew word is ahab. Um, and I'm sure you can say that. There's, I'm probably there's like ahach, you know, something like that. But let's just say um, it's A-H-A-B. And it means to have affection for, desire delight in or be fond of. I think that's beautiful. Um, it implies, and this is the definition, it implies an, um, an ardent inclination of the mind and a tenderness of affection um, and denotes a strong emotional attachment for and a desire to be in the presence of the object of love. So there's this uncanny um, wanting to be with your heavenly father. You know, the, is is that is that what love, you know, when you think about love the Lord your God, do you think that way? Okay. Mm-hmm. So the Greek word is, which everybody knows, is agape. Agapeo. And to have a preference for or to wish well, to regard the welfare of, it is to take pleasure in, to prize it above other things to be unwilling to abandon it or do without it, to welcome with desire, to long for. Now, here's the problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We have diminished the word love in our vocabulary. Um, Because I I, I wrote this down because this this is so fascinating. I can say on one hand, I love tacos. And then, and then at the same time, I love my wife. 
and at the same time use the same word, I love, I love God. Now, do I really equate loving God as the same as loving tacos? You know, or equate that I love my wife as the same amount as I love God or I love tacos. Right. <laughs> of course not. Right. But when we have created one word for the Greek language had four words for love. We've um, oversimplified it. We've oversimplified it. And now we're seeing in our culture just this abomin- abomination of the word love. Mm-hmm. That your definition of love and my definition of love can be two totally different things and still mean the same thing. Right. That doesn't make sense. Right. Uh, think about just in the confines of your marriage, too, the way that you feel about your spouse, you know, that, 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 that sexual love, I'll just go ahead and say it, yeah. is way different yeah. than Eros. the love that you feel for your parents. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the way that the love that you feel for a more, more, more of a brother, friend sort of a figure. You know, um, I remember when I was in youth group um, having, oh man, it was some video series that was super popular in the early 2000s that all youth groups used, okay? It was probably written by Doug Fields. I don't know, but it was, it was talking about the three flames of love, and, and yes. ag- agape was one of them, dode was one of them, and then there was another one that I don't remember now. Um, yeah, I know uh, you're talking about. But um, it was talking about the differences of these yeah. three loves, kind of like how we're getting into oh, the translations shit. now. And um, it's funny that I remember that, but that's like one of the few things I remember from my youth group, you know. But it was a good one to remember because just like in today's world, we are totally overusing. And when you overuse a word, it, it, it means it, it just means less and less and less each time you use it. Oh, yeah. You know, it's almost like it's like a slang for like just anything that you like. Or like, oh, I love that, you know, or, you know, but it's like, that's not what love is. Yeah. yeah. I got a funny story for that, actually. It's interesting. I, I think Z listens to these on and off. So if she, if she does, hey, babe, love you. <laughs> um, I think she, she does. Good She's job. just usually behind. But yes, uh, there is a story for us when we were in high school and we knew each other. Um, before we were dating, I actually used to, um, super dislike the fact that Z, um, she hugged everyone and she said she loved everything. Mm. She, she said love like it was, it was water. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, like it had no value Mm -hmm. to me because like, I remember when we took, man, I don't know how long it was, but it was almost a year of, of us spending time with each other and being exclusive, um, to say the word love because I made it very clear to her that like, that's not a word that I throw around and it's yeah. not a word that I, um, I just like to use. Mm. And so I remember that had have like a pretty serious conversation with her about, and obviously we kind of worked that out obviously over time. Um, but it kind of reminds me of that conversation saying you can't just throw that word around mm-hmm. Because we, we devalue what it actually means. We really do devalue it. And yeah. I think that's the downfall of why so many people struggle in their walk with Jesus and being a part of the body of Christ. Because again, <laughs> um, like when, which I think we can transition into the next part, I love my neighbor. But when we, um, when, when we lack the understanding of biblical love, then we've, we miss out on the significance of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because then, again, you know, if this is how you came to Jesus, man, I'm all for it, absolutely. But if you came to Jesus because you're absolutely terrified of hell, then you, you, I think you're missing out on understanding how much he really does love you, mm-hmm. right? Because if, if we're all heading there, if every single person was born with the trajectory of hell, not because he's sending us there, but because of what we did as humanity of walking away from him. Jesus, then the whole point of the cross was to get in front of us from going there. He wanted to stop that. And that is a picture of love. Like that, There is no greater love. I mean, scripture, there's no greater love John than 15, one who 13. lays down his life for his friends. I mean, who's he calling a friend? You. He actually calls. He actually calls um, us friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus uses those words. I think it's in that same chapter. It, it might be either fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. Ironically, uh, Nick and I are in John right oh, now. Oh, fun. So yeah, it's good. I actually knew fifteen thirteen 
I've known it for years, but yeah. But then here's where it gets even cooler. Now, again, but if you don't have a perspective of healthy love and, uh, you know, the, the love for one's wife, the New Testament tells us, and it's a picture all the way back from Genesis, um, that we, his, his bride, is the body of Christ. We are called bride. I mean, and then you have to think about what a, when you look at biblical marriage, it's, it's incredible. It's serving, it's selfless, it's, um, dying to, it's dying for the other mentality. It's submitting, like we are to submit, you know, but it's done because of our desire to be with him. And so the whole New Testament tells us this. But when we have an Im, imperfect picture of what love is, then, like for example, I'm just which is going to transition us to the next part, the loving your neighbor part. Then church becomes something I attend. Uh, now again, attendance. At, uh, I don't know how else you can say that other than being connected to. You know, attendance is not a bad word. It's actually an okay word. But the idea is that. It's, it, but it's not just like I'm not coming to sit and watch. I'm coming to be a part of, mm-hmm. you know, because I desire to be the part of the body of Christ that Jesus died for. You know, I want to celebrate and worship what God has done for us in community um, because I understand the biblical terminology of what love really is. Love is selfless. You know, it's the First Corinthians 13 uh, passage. It's the idea that it's not rude. It does not boast. Um, it is always thinking about others ahead of ourselves, right? So then when it says to love the Lord your God with all these things, that means you are, you are dying to everything that you are to embrace your heavenly Father because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Mm-hmm. But that transitions then to your neighbor. That same love is to transition to our neighbor. And so, um, which is, again, the whole point of this series was the neighbor part, right? But we can't do it without understanding the love, uh, loving the Lord your God. So I found an article. Um, it's from the Gospel Coalition, and um, it's, the title of it is Nine Benefits of Faithful Church Attendance. Like, there's benefits of people being in community together. Now, you shared this on your Facebook a while ago. Uh, Would it be this one, or maybe it was a different one? It may have been, because this was written in February this year. Uh, so um, I wanted to go through that and just talk about each one of them, what you guys think, because I want our listeners to also continue to understand why it is so important to love our church. Let's do it. So number one, it says this, church attendance pleases and glorifies God. Okay. So what it says is, and then let's talk about it. This is the greatest benefit of a faithful church attendance. To glorify God is to think, say, and do the things that direct the world's attention to his magnific- magnificent magnificence <laughs> as go. the only true and living God. We can embody this in our eating, drinking, and doing, uh, doing good works, which comes out of 1 Corinthians 10.31. Mm-hmm. And that says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Right. Okay? Um, but when we gather, sing, ponder scripture, and pray together, our intention to God is most sharply focused. This is the purpose of our existence. We were made to worship. So that's one of my struggles is that when we, when we naturally think worship in our society, we think, oh, it's something I do. Worship was never intended to be individualistic, ever. Hmm. And you know how I know that? The Bible. <laughs> uh, th- um, the first five books of the Bible were designed for community. But the whole point of the law was to show us how to worship communally. Mm-hmm. Everything was designed with the community in mind, not the individual. Now, salvation is for the individual, but not anything else. Everything else was designed for community. Is it wrong? Is it wrong to worship by yourself? Um, well, I don't think so. I mean, it's prayer that's serving, things like that, but yeah. it's the mind is community. Um, but, I mean, would you agree with this, though, that that being together in community pleases and glorifies God? Like, intentional Christians coming together, does that glorify Him? You know, I think I have to admit that I, I haven't thought of it like this before, because 
you know, I always do tell people that they need to have private worship time and that um, I always tell people that they, they, they need to have an active prayer life because I want that. I, I, I'm hoping that their relationship with Christ is relational. You mm. know what I mean? That, that you do go out and be with yourself. I mean, we see Christ go out and be with himself and be with the Father sort of a thing many, many times throughout the New Testament. But so to think that you know, everything in the first five books, like you were saying, basically everything apart from salvation, if I'm coining you right, yep. um, is communal. Um, I don't disagree, but it is something I don't think I've thought of it in those terms. Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's a perspective be, to think through. And I know some listeners are going to wrestle. I'm, I'm sure we're going to wrestle because we reflect our culture yeah. instead of reflecting the scripture. That's that's the problem. And westernized westernized society has built individualism instead of mm. communalism, which is mm. around, which is predominantly the Eastern culture. You know what this brings to mind that I love is Nick. I don't know if you've seen this. Nate, I don't even know Nate. I want to put you out of that since you know you're a little old. But uh, <laughs> you're like my generation. I'm still in my thirties. Uh, well, I'll say my generation. Like. I don't really claim my generation because I don't identify with them. But like the the mid twenties, mm. um, I have seen this a lot. Uh, talking kind of this community people um, togetherness uh, is like them renting Airbnbs or like just houses and and just having a piano or a guitar and just worshiping and just like and, and praying together. Um, even having a little bit of teaching, like just just crazy. I've seen it so much, and like that's something that's always been really cool to me. Yeah. But they're living that. Yeah. Like they're living it out, saying, like we're just gonna go get a, just a spot that we can come together, ten, twenty of us, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and do that. Yeah. And it's it's like it kind of remind it really it really brings this out. It's like this is what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know. Now, obviously, your corporate church is still important. But it's like they're willing to do this kind of just whenever mm. and when and whenever. And it's like, obviously, I have no musical talent, so I'd just be singing with whatever I had. But, you know, I mean, it's 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 interesting because I've seen that and I've, I've been like, man, that is cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's super fascinating because if you think about just like I feel most people – I feel like there's a large amount of people that are super uncomfortable in great big stadium style masses of people. There's that, you feel that claustrophobic sort of a feeling. But then the opposite of that would be isolation. And what we learned in 2020 was depression and suicide skyrockets when people are are alone. So what's the middle ground? The middle ground is that little pack mentality that's like your 10 to 20 people. And that's where people probably get the most growth. And that's probably where we're the most comfortable at. And that all kind of supports and feeds this idea that, you know, on a level that it is in our inmost being, we crave community. Yeah. You know, and so... Yeah, even the most introverted person craves Right, community. and so when you don't add spirituality into that, you crave community in other ways. You yeah. know, you join clubs, you join the Boy Scouts, you yeah. join, you know, little classroom That's settings well or thought whatever of. else, you know? Yeah. Because the craving is still there. But yeah. you just don't have faith with it. But That's really good. But when you put good. the two together, wow. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because the pandemic, again, did show us. It's like, and it's funny, we've, I mean, we still quote unquote are kind of in it. I think it's more political and all that stuff now. But the reality is, is that it did show us our need for one another. Mm-hmm. And and I'm saying, th- and, and man, it's it's amazing how quickly we forget that. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go to number two. So uh, church attendance is an act of love to your neighbor. Um, I, I thought it'd skip down. It says, in our culture of anger, Christ-like virtues of love, patience, and kindness are in great demand, but short supply. Isn't that crazy? Love, patience, and kindness are in great demand, but short uh, supply. That sounds like scripture. Yeah. Isn't it the Which, harvest is great, but the harvesters are few? That is, that is absolutely correct. That's why I like the Martin Luther quote here. God doesn't need you to go to church. He doesn't need you to do that, but your neighbors do. Ah, it's so good because that is a selfless mentality. Um, that is a dying to self and taking up my cross daily mentality because I'm thinking about the others, right? That's because that's what love does. That's what biblical love does. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So the act of love to your neighbor. Uh, number three, church attendance can make you smarter. Um, and this is kind of fun too. Um, God reveals himself in a book and commands us to love him with our minds, uh, which is, you know, that's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Reading the Bible for comprehension requires a working knowledge of vocabulary, grammar, history, and geography. The Lord gives us understanding, but he expects us to do the hard work of thinking, which is hilarious to me because it's we live in a culture that... Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't really hear it like right now, but like say 10, 20 years ago, I would hear that uh, Christians would take their brains off at the door and go back out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that would, that makes sense, you know? And um, I've seen, I've seen so many of these things now on like YouTube and like uh, uh, say TikTok or Instagram or something like that. And they have these um, all kinds of quotes of like, well, the, the Bible is, uh, the Bible contradicts itself. Uh, the Bible, you fill in some kind of negative thing that's out there. Here's the problem. Anybody will believe that who doesn't read the Bible. Anybody will believe that who doesn't actually understand hermeneutics and people who don't understand historical context. And so it's like, you gotta, you gotta at least when you see something, you're like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. Well, why do you agree with that? What's your evidence to agree with that? Well, I just, I just, it just makes sense. Somebody online said that should. <laughs> yeah, the internet doesn't lie. Well, it affirms, it affirms uh, your way of thinking. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's what people want. People want affirmation that what they already think mm-hmm. is correct. Hence why people usually want to go to Scripture and, and Google in. Like, I, I'll tell you, I'll be totally honest. You know, there's times I Google scripture, like, hey, I know either a scripture and I don't know the reference. Yeah. Or I'm looking for a scripture that says, hey, scripture for this. But guess what I do? Instead of polling the one verse, which most websites want to do. Yeah, they do. You look at the actual chapter. Yeah, I'm right. Sure like if it says if it says First Corinthians three twenty one, okay, well that's cool. Who, and then I go and say, well, who is this talking to? Yeah. So that I can explain, hey, yeah. this is who it's talking to, and here's their context. This can still apply to us, but we need to understand yeah. what they were dealing with and what they were working in, rather than just shooting over a verse. Yeah. And saying, oh, here's your, here you go. Yeah. The, any if you're ever a part of any church or or under any pastor or any teaching, any teacher that you have, and 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 they don't allow you to question what they're teaching. You should run from them. You should run from that place. Um, you should. It's culty. Yes. Get out of there. Because I've said before. Listen, the scripture is very clear. Test the spirits. Test the teaching. And so you should even every Sunday, just because I'm up there and we have a good relationship, and I, I like Nate. You know, he's a good guy. Um, but the words that come out of my mouth, you better make sure that they're aligning with what I'm teaching. Um, you need that hard print Bible, baby. That's right. And so that's why you need to know the word. Now, my hope is, is I'm doing a really good job at that. But at the end of the day, you also need to be surrounded by uh, people who know it as well. And uh, you need to be in it as well. This um, is That's a little, why that's important. This is a little off topic. I mean, not really, but like, have you seen, uh, have you seen um, videos of because obviously okay instagram youtube pastors and stuff like that are held to really really high standard because mm-hmm. context and all that stuff the sometimes they say things and yeah, all that absolutely but like have you seen videos i don't remember his name but there's this guy who came out and he's like an instagram pastor and stuff who actually came out on a sunday and said hey last week i said something and, oh yeah and i need to let you guys know that i was wrong i love that like mm. and i was incorrect yep because and it I'm shows sorry. that his father is more important than right. what he said. Right, rather than humility, just, rather than just hum- humbling, rather than hunkering down, yeah. right, and saying, "Nope, I said it, and that's it." Yeah, right. But able to come out and and be upset and yeah. say, "I'm sorry," yeah. right? Like, and that's a big gamble with your own credibility too. Yeah. You know? Oh, you already have a following base. Oh, to yeah. Admit that you're wrong about yeah. something. There was a question. there was a mega church teacher, uh, pastor in North Carolina that got in front of his congregation a number of months ago and just basically apologized to the church. And he said this, something to this effect. He said, I have grown the church without the help of the Spirit. I've made this about me and what we're doing instead of about him. 
and no longer are we going to do that. And I do apologize. Mm-hmm. And he even said, he went as far as to say, we would love for you to stay, but if you don't feel like you can anymore, I totally understand. Wow. And I was like, Whew. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, because you know, mega church pastor, he's making a lot of money. Um, he's got a lot of influence. Well, and I feel like if you shift from from that, from like, oh, we're building it on me. Yeah. And then you go, no, 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 we're not doing that not anymore. Doing you're going to have people that are disinterested. Oh, absolutely. Because you're consumer. Yeah. You're consumer Christians. Yeah. They're going to, I'm out of here, dude. It was so good. They'll either be super judgmental. Yeah. Or they'll, oh, of be, they or will. they'll be like, oh, this ain't what I want to do. Yeah, I'm but, out. And I, w- and I always want to make sure we are we understand that, you know, I, I've heard, I hear this a lot too. Well, so-and-so goes to that church. Even like if they're just even a congregant. Well, you know, I don't know about that church because so-and-so goes Dude, there. I've heard that so many. Oh my goodness. Immediate, immediate family. Do you know the point of the church? It's for sinners. Yes. So-and-so may go there. But what if the Holy Spirit did change them? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the hope. Our hope is that every person is changed by the renewing of their mind through Christ Jesus. Yeah, it's like, it's like, <laughs> hey, on, go ahead quickly, explain to me the gospel again. Yeah, yeah. And it says, oh, okay. Yeah. So where in there is it limited? Yeah. It's <laughs> for broken people. I think if your church was filled with perfect people, then uh, don't go there. One, <laughs> get away. Not a church. Yeah, it's not a church. Yeah, you better yeah. get out of there. Yeah. yeah, it's time to time to multiply and oh and wait, you mean you mean when up. you walk in, not everyone's wearing yeah. three piece suits. And yeah, yeah. They have their big old Bible on she, their yeah, arm. Yeah, I want so and so to go there. Yeah, they may have a past. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Some of us are just really good at hiding our sin. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Right, and so anyways, all right, number four. Church attendance can make you healthier. I thought this was fascinating. Um, I'm not getting any healthier. Yeah, I know. This has got to be an improvement (laughs) of myself. This is stewardship theology, not prosperity theology. It's if we believe our bodies belong to God, we'll manage our health for his glory. A faithful church equips us to live wisely, practice self-control, pursue habits of holiness, which we're going to get into actually in January, Mm -hmm. and abstain from self-destructive activities that threaten good health. Um it says this, further, engaging in meaningful fellowship can reduce both stress and the risk of mortality by 55% among middle-aged adults. Faithful church attendance is an unprecedented resource that most physicians never think to explore with their, parent, or with their patients. Um, and then this person, Rebecca McLaughlin, I don't know how you say her name, um, she's, she observes faithful church attendance could save your life. Hmm. I just like that's fascinating. McLaughlin. Yeah, and so I just think that's something that we, you know, you're always thinking about because what does it do? It creates accountability, and sometimes you just need somebody to help you to make mm-hmm. better decisions. Um, go ahead. I, no, I view, I view church attendance kind of as a, um, I, I view it as it it has a tangible result because of a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. Like, why do we? Why does why does this stuff happen? Right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't happen just because it's because it says it's a church. Yeah. Right. Like you the, have to the be tangible things happen that you can see when the spiritual things are happening that you can't see. Yeah. Like the tangible seen things do not happen without the see- the unseen things taking place. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Yep. Like if you walk into a church and you're like, man, you guys are so welcoming and man, I feel like I belong here and all this and this and this. Well, that doesn't just like happen. happen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so there's plenty of places you can walk into and you just feel like, oh boy, it's heavy in here. Like yeah. something, so, something's yeah. not right. You kind of get yeah. like those 10 side eyes like, Ugh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to number five because this one, I don't, I don't like the word usage, but I don't, I don't hate it. Uh, church attendance can make you happier. I would probably change that to, it'll, it'll create joy. Um, anyways, it says desiring happiness is normal instinct of a, cre- uh, of a creature made in the image of a happy God. God delights in our holy happiness and commands us to rejoice in hope. That's from Romans 12. 12. But see, I would, I would use the word idea here of joy um, because joy is actually what Scripture teaches us, that even in the midst of pain and persecution, suffering, heartaches, and you know anything difficult going on in our lives, we can still rejoice in Christ. Because um, again, God's not, he didn't, I mean, it's not about us being happy. It's about us finding joy in the Lord. Um, but Harvard researchers conclude weekly church attendance effectively improved the physical and mental health 
of millions of Americans and reduce mortality by 20 to 30 percent over a 15-year period. Isn't that crazy? Um, other studies assert faithful church attendance helps prevent the despair that leads to early deaths by suicide and alcohol abuse. Weekly interaction with hopeful people is good for your mental health. Now, this is why I think this is incredible because, again, it goes back to Nick's comment was we saw this during the pandemic. And when we weren't meeting consistently with commu- in community, oh, my goodness, suicide rate, it, it, it was it set records upon records. Um, depression, anxiety, they ran out of medicine to help with that because of how high it got and how many people had to get on it. Community creates a, a sense of um, um, connectedness and a belonging. desire, yeah, a belonging and things like that. And that's why, that's why I don't understand, like, when people see, when you think of churches, like, well, I should go to that just because I don't want to go to hell. You're, again, you're, you don't understand love yet. You don't understand what Jesus did for us yet. You don't understand mm-hmm. the church yet. Um, I and, think the scary part about coming into a congregation that is more congregational, like like ours, yeah. is that the people that are going to have a hard time with that are the people that aren't ready to let their guards down and to let anybody into their life yet. Yeah, I would suggest that those same people that struggle with attending church on a weekly basis are the same people that also struggle with friendships, sure. or the friendships that they do have are probably very, very shallow. Sure. There's not a lot of depth. Maybe they don't talk about the inner yeah. turmoils of their thoughts. You know? Yeah. Or it's, they do have, they do, maybe they have one or two good relationships, but they're with bad people, <laughs> which is that. Highly influential. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I would say like, that's why I always communicate. You show me who you hang out with consistently. I'll, and I'll show you who you are and where you're going. You know, that's the whole point. What if the answer is nobody? (laughs) (laughs) You're going nowhere. Everybody does have someone. (laughs) Yeah. What's that song? Everybody loves somebody sometimes. <laughs> Dude, I have no, that must be an old head song. I've never heard of it. <laughs> okay, okay. If you know what that song is, put that in the comments. <laughs> I've never heard of that song. Oh, that's a good Siri, song. tell me what this song um, is. Okay, number six. Church attendance can make you more generous. Um, uh, again, this comes out of the to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. That's First Timothy. I use that term a lot of times during be generous because... People of faith ultimately are people of generosity. So anyways, it says, even after giving generously to his or her own church, notes uh, Eric Anderson, someone who attends church weekly has an 81% likelihood of donating to secular causes, while someone who doesn't, uh, while someone who doesn't only has a 60% likelihood of donating to any cause at all. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Well, so, why, why is that? Yeah. So, well, <laughs> well, hopefully it's because you, you've, you want to support whatever you can and you realize that what you have isn't yours. Yes. Like it's not about me. It's not about what I can can create. It's not about what I can have. Like, yeah, it's, it's about what, what can I, man, what can I do? Yeah. Generosity is one of those things that, that snowballs very, very well. You know, you start being generous in little things and all of a sudden you want to be more generous in bigger things. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't ever fuel from a, from a, man, I want people to see this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like that, uh, it's kind of like that, man, I almost view it kind of like the, it's very simple, but it's like the apple on the desk of the teacher. Oh, yeah. You just drop it there. You don't yeah. ever say anything, you know? Yeah. But it's like you can see their reaction. It and makes that's such a, a silly thing. I don't even think that probably yeah. happens anymore. But, you know, it, it, it's kind of an example of, like, that is what you want to create. Yeah. You know, if, if you're generous, it's like, man, this is what we can create. Like, if you can see the faces, here, I'll just, this is an example. If you can see the faces on students when they say, man, Abe, I don't, I don't think I can go. And I'm like, well, why? They're like, oh, I can't afford it. Our family just can't afford it or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I never asked you about that. Yeah. There's Someone a family, there's who will a make it happen. Who, there's a family who, who's already asked me if there's anyone who needs help. Yep. That always happens. And they look at me and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. Yep. And it's just, they're, just, they're just mind, the, it's mind blown. The, the capital C church, right? The universal church, the Catholic church. Catholic means universal. That that church is still the greatest charity on the planet. There's nothing close to Christians giving to the hungry, the hurting, the thirsty, the struggling, the down and out, uh, mental illness, fighting mental illness, things like that. It's the church. Yeah. 
And I, I just, that's where I struggle with why so many people don't want to be a part of it. Or at least consistently be a part of it. Yeah. Um, anyways, let's move on. Church, uh, number seven, church attendance can protect your marriage. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, um, our job is the example, the greatest example to us, again, is number one, the first covenant that God made with people was marriage in the garden with Adam and Eve. That was the first covenant. Um, then in the New Testament, he made another covenant. The covenant is that we are the bride of Christ, right? And so at the end of the day, no matter how messy we get as his bride, he still died for us. He still gave it all. Therefore, we constantly are communicating this and how we're trying to help marriages fight for one another. Um, and the stronger, the healthier marriages that we can create in context of the local church, the more that we can increase the opportunities for our children to live lives that way as well, so that, that they're not hurt, they're not broken. Um, and even in broken families, our goal is to help restore broken families. So yeah. that's, again, that's why consistency is important to be a part of a local church. Number eight is church attendance can limit the power of the state. Okay, I have to read this because um, actually Louis Giglio, if you're ever fascinated, he's the pastor of the, of, uh, the Passion Church in Atlanta. His actual degree is in this, you know, um, which is funny to me. It doesn't really happen. But there, the whole idea of ch- uh, separation of church and state wasn't, it wasn't so that we could... Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, so that the state had the power. Actually, it's the opposite. Is that the reason the United States was formed and the church were, was formed was so that the church was still ultimately in control of the church mm-hmm. and the state can't get into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not the other way around. So it says in 1840, Alex D. How do you say this last name? D. Toykaville <laughs> marveled at the way Americans volu- voluntarily and constantly form associations. He, he viewed the church in America as the most potent voluntary association, a, me, a mediating institution guarding against tyranny. Faithful churches lead members to love God, each other, their communities, and their enemies. The, culma, the cumulative effect of countless acts of self-denying love reduces crime, mm-hmm. divorce, drug and alcohol abuse, racism, poverty, injustice, recidivism, Ignorance, hunger, homelessness, lawsuits, abortions, fatherlessness, and the negative effects of natural disasters and other problems the government is expected to address. That is our job, Mm. not the government's job. Our job is to increase the health and stability of culture, not the government. Mm -hmm. And the reason, I'm just throwing this out there, that we're struggling in our culture right now is because we're so dependent upon the government and not one another. Mm. Oh, the church has grown the church has grown really soft. Sounds yeah. like Oliver Anthony right there. <laughs> I love that guy. Church so. has grown, yeah. The church has grown um very I feel like the church has become very much so uh laissez faire. Yeah. Like we're like, oh we don't want to get involved with them and we don't want them to get involved as a with whole. us. Yeah, as a whole. Yeah, as a whole. Yeah. It's like we don't want to get involved with them and and we don't want them to get involved with us. Yeah. We'll do us, yeah. they'll do them. Yeah. No I think problem. That's because the church has chosen an easy way out in the last hundred years. You know? Yeah. It's like where it's like, well, we're just gonna worry about ourselves and we're just gonna not not get involved in that and you know, let's just keep our opinions to ourselves, let them do what they want to do and looks and look what happened. I mean yeah. you, you you have this separation that has just been so, so, so very vast. And it's like we're not even able to be a selfless body like we're designed to be we're actually being the opposite we're being a very selfish body yeah it's us us centric it's uh well we just want to be comfortable and we don't want to have to deal with all that yeah and i want it my way and things like that and that's why we have to be selfless that's the whole point of jesus telling us to die to ourselves take up our cross daily make this about others you know and so which gets me to number nine church attendance can protect your family against delusional thinking and the whole point of that is is that we're living in a culture that wants to change Christianity. You can't. Because you would have to change the message of Jesus. And you would have to change um, the historical Old Testament scripture that Jesus constantly would quote from. 
And whenever he said scripture, he was referring to the Old Testament. Whenever Paul said scripture, he's referring to the Old Testament. So we can't just like, oh, we're going to change this to fit our narrative. We have to make our narrative fit the scripture. And um, and the only way to do that is to find a solid Bible believing, scripture teaching followers of Jesus congregation. Mm-hmm. And so, but how do you find Bible believing people if they don't read their Bible? Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, again, there's also got to be the Holy Spirit directing. Which churches like ours? That's what we have to fight for. Like we have to, in a sense, call out heresy teaching of other congregations that are teaching this way. And at the same time, we have to reach those people as congregation, as a congregation like ours. We need to be reaching and sharing the gospel with people in these churches and people who don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that we're going to do this. But all of us together have to be willing to say, I'm in. And the only way we got to say I'm in is that we have to do this together, not on our own. Yeah, I think so many people that do feel like they themselves are being evangelical when they call somebody out on their sin or maybe passing judgment or things like that is they will cast the judgment and call them out and then want nothing to do with them. Yeah. Rather than, hey, you've been mistaken, let me show you the right way and walk alongside them to help put them back in where they're supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. Which, again, brings me back to the culmination of this whole series. You cannot love the Lord your God. Because, again, you have to understand what is love. What does that word mean? You cannot love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, if you are not loving your neighbor. And that means communal. Mm. And at the same time, you cannot love your neighbor without loving the Lord your God. They are hand in hand. And that's why, that's what the series is all about. And that's what we're going to be about at Avenue. And that's why I wanted those testimonies to be shared on Sunday. That's what those baptisms are all about, because that's the point. The church is us. And, And when we're not consistently connected to a local church, and we complain, and we say, I can be a Christian without the church, and, you know, and I'm only a part of it twice a week, or once a month, and... Da, 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 da. Or I say, I'm completely connected to church. I'm really involved with her. I, I serve in all capacities. But you have a lackluster one-on-one relationship with Jesus. You're not in his word. Um, you're not trying to live a life according to what Christ has asked us to live. Then we're going to miss out on what it is that God has for us. We have to do both. And the only way that we can do both is by pushing one another to do both. And the whole Bible teaches us how to do that. And, um, and that's what that series is all about. That's what we got to continue to fight for at Avenue, at least at Avenue moving forward. So It's that bare minimum Christianity. It's, it's not Christianity at all No, sort of a thing. And no. I think so many people, and I was this way for a long time. You know, I, th- I think it hasn't been just until the last three years or so that, that I've had a change of mind. And it's like, you know, you, you try and just do what you can to get by and... You know, you don't realize that you're taking so many steps backward that now when you finally does, you know, when it finally does click that you've been in the wrong, it feels like such an astronomical task to, 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 to get back on track that it keeps mm-hmm. you from doing it. Mm-hmm. And you're just digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And yeah. it's like you got to make those forward motions. But that first step is just realizing, listen, maybe I, maybe I haven't been doing this right you know, maybe maybe community really is the answer, and like, what changes do I have to do to take this step? Because it's gonna be, it's gonna feel weird if you're not used to doing it. Yes, it you really know? is. But then it gets natural. Yeah, it does. It'll get natural, just like I tell students. You know, as a youth pastor, listen, you're not gonna know anybody, but you will. Mm-hmm. You, get, you just gotta do it. You only don't know them until you meet yeah, them. Yeah, that's correct. And then you know them now. Yeah, and then they'll, some some of them will be lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so next week. Uh, we're getting into that whole starting point, um, the series starting point, and it's a curriculum um, that was created, I believe, by North Point. Um, I wonder. I think Life Church also had a hand in it as well, and and then other churches have done it since. But we're obviously going to do it as a series on Sunday morning, so it's not going to be like a curriculum, like you were going through a class. So it's going to be intentional and purposeful. But the idea is that it's going to help us to live out our faith, Mm -hmm. um, to help people who don't have faith, people who have been struggling, people who have been hurting. That's why we want everybody to invite to this series, because it will help. It'll help people wherever your walk of faith is. 
this will challenge you to rethink, to reconsider, or to strengthen um, your understanding of Jesus, because everybody has a starting point. And so... And you totally did not mean to do that on National Back to Church Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that great? Yeah. It's like, it kind of always works out well. I know. That's funny. So great. I'm excited about this series. It's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be really, really good. And that series is going to last uh, multiple weeks. And then we have our Be Generous campaign in October. Yep. And then, oh gosh, just so many fun, fun, fun things going on. Yes, we've said this many times in this podcast. I'm very aware that we've said this, but there's never been a better time to come back to church. Absolutely. You know? Never. I, th- I think that's a slogan that you can put on a t-shirt and just wear it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we want to thank you for going beyond the road with us. Um, you lasted an hour. Good job, everybody. Um, we want to thank you. And like I said, anything you guys want to know, want more information on, I'm going to put the hyperlink in the description for this. Um, check out that website. These are really good nine nine points and benefits of you know church attendance and things like that. So that's all I got. You guys good? I'm great. All right, we're good. All right, thank you guys. Have a blessed week, and we'll catch you next week when, when we go beyond the row.